Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor, a digital resource for the multidisciplinary cancer team. Today, I am joined by Ms. Ali Amahierbo, who is an advanced practice nurse at the Inglewood Health Physician Network. Recently, she led an activity regarding healthcare strategies for immune thrombocytopenia. Today, she is updating us on advancements since recording and why it is important to partake in this educational activity. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your research and what you do? Sure. My name is Ali Mahirbo, and I'm a clinical nurse practitioner. I focus in hematology and oncology, and I work in a private practice in Englewood, New Jersey, based at Englewood Hospital. And in my clinical practice, I see a wide variety of diagnosis, um, but I do prefer to focus on platelet disorders and have built up uh, quite a population, a big patient population of platelet disorders patients. Thank you again for joining us today. First question I have for you, since recording the activity, has there been any updates in quality of life strategies when treating immune thrombocytopenia? I think a little bit. Um, and just that, um, you know, when the ASH guidelines changed in 2019, there was a lot of emphasis put on shared decision-making with patients. And so, you know, that's been a big focus of my practice this year is not just like a one size fits all. Um, and so when we get to the second line treatment um, choices for our patients, really trying to um, talk to them about their preferences and pros and cons of each treatment and how it fits in with their life, I think is one of our most important jobs um, in treating ITP patients. So that's been a big focus of my practice this year. Um, and then I think um, just, uh, you know, another sort of update is that there's been some updates um, and mostly these have been ash abstracts, but uh, there's been some links to lower platelet counts and obesity, which I think is really interesting because previously I felt that the research didn't really show that lifestyle played a big role in ITP. Um, and this is the first sort of link that helps me tell my patients, okay, you need to have a healthy lifestyle, you need to exercise, you need to try to maintain a healthy weight. So I think that's really exciting um, because I can finally say there's some proof that, you know, being thin is gonna be actually good for your platelet counts or maybe good for your platelet counts. Um, and then I think there's there was two other really exciting abstracts that came out that sort of linked patients with ITP showed some cognitive impairment. Uh, and we already know that like fatigue plays a big role in our patients' lives, but now we should start to think about, you know, assessing our patients for cognitive impairment. So why is it particularly important to stay updated on treatment options and supportive care strategies for immune thrombocytopenia? Well, I think a couple of reasons. One is that not every one treatment fits all patients. So it can't be like a linear algorithm for treatment. Um, so we need to know about what else is out there. I mean, we're lucky now that we have a lot of experience with TIPO drugs and that's a mainstay in ITP practice now. So most clinicians are pretty well versed in that. Um, but then we are all gonna have a patient or two a year that is so difficult to treat and really need something else out there. And if we don't know what else is out there or where to look, then we're not helping those patients and we may just be giving them too much steroids or 
unnecessarily hospitalizing them when what they really need is a clinical trial. And we have to sort of know where to look for that. Considering like uh, where to look and staying up to date on that topic, are there any current clinical trials or studies that you're keeping an eye on or participating in that you would like to mention? So I think there's a few that are really exciting. I mean, you know, we had the TIPO that's been now approved for a while. And then we more recently had sick inhibitors approved. Um, but, you know, there's really exciting research in the plasma cell area with drugs like daratumumab. Um, there's also research that's undergoing with neonatal FCRN block blockade, which is really promising. And there was some uh, an abstract that showed that COVID vaccination was safe in patients with ITP and that a really small percent of the patients had um, sort of like a relapse in their disease. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really helpful for clinicians to know that, you know, we can advocate for COVID vaccination as we get further out from COVID. And then the final thing I'm seeing research in is um, complement in inhibition. Um, because we know that ITP is like a heterogeneous disease. And so these new um, forms of research show that, you know, we can kind of target different pathways and this may be helpful for, you know, difficult to treat patients, but all of these are like in phase two, phase three. So, you know, for our patients to receive these medicines right now, they would have to go on a clinical trial. Um, and the best way to do that is to just you know, go on clinicaltrials.gov or contact like one of the ITP thought leaders and see what they think. Um, and that's kind of what I do for my difficult patients. Is there anything you would like to add on like any particular um, patient care techniques or just techniques in general that could improve or improve practice or just that you think other clinicians could benefit from? Well, I, I really try not to scare my patients <laughs> um, when their platelet counts are low. I try to kind of stay cool, calm, and collected because I think the second that they see us worried about their platelets, they're more worried about their platelets and you know may lead to um, lack of trust with their healthcare provider. And I think that you know building trust with your patients is one of the most important things we can do, um, especially with this disease. So, you know, that's my, that works well for me. Um, I think the other thing my patients like a lot is I always give them a prescription to keep in their wallet. So that way they feel, they can feel like they can live their life and Hey, they happen to be on a trip or develop bleeding symptoms and they can't get into the office right away. They, they know that they can go to a lab um, and then the results available, you know, later that day or the next day. So that, that works well for my patients. Um, and I encourage, I, I encourage them to, you know, to trust their symptoms. So not to feel like they have to know the number, but instead, you know, to say, okay, well, I don't have bruises. I don't have petechiae. I, I don't have blood blisters in my mouth. That means I'm probably fine. And that works really well too. And so like upfront, when I'm meeting my patients, I spend a lot of time educating them about the symptoms and about what their symptoms are, because different patients have different symptoms. And I think that helps them a lot knowing that they're okay. Do you have any resources for specifically for the healthcare team or other clinicians that you think would be helpful on staying up to date and making sure that we're doing our best to take care of our patients? 
Well, I, I think, you know, if you're not sure, you know, what to do for your patient or how to treat them next, um, I would, you know, look at ASH, you know, the, the recent ASH guidelines, ASH abstracts to see what's new. Um, I think that, you know, some of the thought leaders in ITP are really great about um, fielding emails with, hey, this is what's going on with my patient. What do you think I should do next? Um, especially in the era of virtual medicine, you know, having your difficult to treat patients see somebody that's in a different state can be helpful resource. Uh, the other thing that I think is really helpful for patients is um, to refer them to like the PDSA, um, which is the platelet disorders um, patient advocacy group, uh, because they have a lot of really great sort of like patient-friendly resources with different treatment options and side effects of treatments. And um, because sometimes when we're talking to our patients about these treatments, the side effects, you know, maybe we talk in a, you know, medical lingo that's over their heads. So sometimes I think it's helpful to be able to turn them back around and say, okay, well, here's a resource that is actually written for you. Go read it. And then we'll talk about it next week or when at our next visit. Um, so that's kind of my go-to approach. Um, and then there's also, I think I mentioned this um, the last time we spoke, but there's an, an app for patients to track their symptoms, which I think patients like a lot. So those are my main things that I'm doing right now. Thank you so much. That'll, that's all the questions I had for you today. So thank you for your research, for your time. My pleasure. Um,